Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. <laughs> Dell challenges the status quo, questions everything, and empowers you to return to your core beliefs to make your life better. If you're ready to hear the truth and get your roadmap to the lifestyle you really want, the next hour will change your life. And now, your host, self-made millionaire, national award-winning investor of the year, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley. Welcome to started a couple years ago. There was a big push for it about a year ago, and it's back again. It's raised its ugly head, and that is the concept of U.S. savings rates and how the Americans are not saving at the rate of their personal income that they used to. They used to save a much larger percentage. In fact, there's a chart here that they start the article out with, and this is in the Wall Street Journal, by the way, if you want to look this up. Uh, but it shows the monthly uh, data, seasonally adjusted source, U.S. Bureau of Economics analysis. And it shows that back in uh, the 70s, the average American family was saving between 12 and 15% of their income. Fast forward to the 2000s, and they were saving 2 to 3% of their income. And now, fast forward to our era, they're saving from 4 to 5% of their income. So it's still quite low. And the article goes on and it says, Obama's administration made a push to get people to save more for retirement, even outside the realm of the 401k. Uh, It introduced a regulation that encourages states to set up retirement savings plans with automatic enrollment features for the private sector employees. That's private sector employees. The Labor Department has unveiled a proposal to enable large cities to create similar funds. Opponents have said such plans crowd out competition from the private sector, and Congress blocked this plan. Well, they had one last year at the same thing. They wanted to take 3% of your income, and the employer put up 3% of your income and put it in this fund that the government controlled. Now, remember, we've already got a government-controlled retirement fund. It's called Social Security, and we've all seen what they've done with that. They've destroyed it. They've spent all the money. You let the government have access to your money, it's going to go away. They had another plan a couple of years before that where they wanted to actually make you liquidate your 401k and IRAs and put all the money into a government annuity plan that would pay you from government bonds something like 1% or 2% return on your money. And now they've got this, you know, this thing comes back up again. It just keeps rearing its ugly head about savings. Uh, In a minute, I'm going to cover why I believe savings is just a misnomer. Anyway, it's not really the problem, but they just keep bringing this thing up. And the next part says, what is their solution? Some initial believers uh, in the 401k 
think measures don't go far enough. Ms. Gilboard wants to ditch the 401k altogether. She and Blackstone Group President Tony James are recommending a mandated government-run savings system that would administrate it would be administrated by Social Security Administration and managed by investment professionals. While both are Democrats, they believe their solution would be. Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Dell Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Sorry for the little technical staffu. Uh, the show got started on the wrong cut, and uh, now we'll pick it back up to where we should pick it up at. So today, what I want to talk about is I want to talk about a concept that uh, I've been working on and developing here for the last couple of days. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I told you that I uh, started reading a book, and the book was called... Um, Let's see, what was it called? Uh, it was called Younger Next Year. And I don't know the author of the book. But the basic concept was that um, one day you wake up and you're old. And you've never really thought about it. You never really realized it. But your body changes. And the book kind of prefaces that this kind of a thing starts at about 50 years of age. Is kind of the the crux of it all. And... When you look at it and you start thinking about it, um, when I was 50, I was still a stud. It was at 50 years of age that I started having physical abnormalities in my body. And up until that time, I mean, you know, my fitness went up and down. My body's physical fitness went up and down. My condition, you know, uh, weight went up and down. But, you know, pretty much always looked... You know, the same. I mean, you know, prefaced within, you know, life's changes, day to day, year to year, so on and so forth. But at 50, things started to change. And I remember I got staff, and that knocked me out for a while, and I couldn't work out for a while. And then I got cancer, and that knocked me out, and I couldn't work out for a while. And when I came back from cancer, I was so shriveled up and weak. It had no muscle tissue. I started working out, immediately blew out my left shoulder, and then I had to have rotator cuff surgery. Then I took six months to recover from that, and after that I started getting back in shape again, and then all of a sudden um, I blew out my right shoulder, and I went in, did not have surgery on that, just took some shots and went by, but you know had to slow down my working out. Then after that, um, what happened to me next? Oh yeah, I, I blew out my tricep. No, I blew out my bicep first. I blew out my bicep on my left arm. Had to have that reattached surgery, so I was, you know, in a cast and lost time in the gym from that. Uh, after that healed, I was working out, and I got injured. I fell through a bridge and slammed my elbow onto the, under the ground, and it broke the tip of my elbow off, and or actually cracked it, and it was still hanging there. The bone was hanging there, but it wasn't off. And uh, so, so lo, lo and behold, we decided, you know, while I was wrapped up and in a uh, arm sling from that, we decided to go to um, California. And we were feeding the seals and climbing up and down the side of this hill. And at the time, by the way, during my 50s, I started to get neuropathy. In fact, at 50, when I went in for my diabetes, when I first found out, when I went in for my staffs, when I first found out I had diabetes or the beginnings of diabetes, and diabetes is a, um, a deteriorative type disease that continues to get worse. And so 
over time, I started to get neuropathy, which is where you can't feel your feet. Now, when you can't feel your feet, there's all kinds of disasters that goes with that. One of which is, is you don't have any balance anymore because you can't feel your feet. The nerves in the bottom of your feet give you your balance, and you don't really have balance. And so we're trying to climb down the side of this hill to go feed these seals. I've got one arm in a sling and then two neuropic feet. And I fall down that hill, just boom, 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 rolled down at the bottom, hit my elbow again. And this time it popped the bone off. It broke the elbow. The tricep rolled up my arm because it was no longer attached at the, at the elbow end of that tricep. And uh, arm turned black and blue and swole up and everything. And we t you know, flew back to Houston and I had it reattached, but it was never really the same because it had been detached for so long. They pulled it down, they stretched as far as they could and just bolted it back. And so now I have a deformed tricep on my left arm. Well, I have a deformed bicep because they did the same thing when I tore my bicep off. They pulled it down as far as they could and bolted it back on and they can't get it back to full length. And so now I have a short bicep and a short tricep on my left arm. So I'm deformed, right? Goes on and on and on. Different diseases. Then I get a um, the disease where you have uh, holes in your intestines, and the holes in your intestines leak. And I, there's a name for it, but I just can't think of it, and I've never really bothered to learn the name. It almost killed me. The holes in my intestine leak poisoned into my system. The poison in my system made me sick as a dog. I ended up in the emergency room two or three times in a row before I finally was willing to go and let them cut my intestines out. They cut a hole in my stomach to take my intestine out put a colostomy sack on me and I went like three or four months where I couldn't do anything because I had a plastic bag tied to my stomach that I had to empty every couple of minutes. And if that wasn't bad enough, when they finally went back, I said, okay, it's time. They're going to take it off. They took off the bag, went in for the surgery to reattach the intestines. The intestines. Um, they did the surgery wrong. Didn't get my internal abdomens tied back together the right way. Um, and so when my body started to heal, it, didn't, it, it wasn't protected in the manner that my body started to believe it needed to protect itself, so it grew bone in my stomach. And now I have a big old bone in my stomach. Um, and you say, well, Del, why are you crying to me about all this? I'm just letting you know that between age 50 and age 65, or 64 where I'm at right now, I've had just about everything known to man go wrong with my body. And the story goes on, and this, by the way, I'm going to get somewhere with this about finances in a minute here. Story goes on and says, you know, my whole life, if you've listened to me, I've told people that my family, all the males died by age 65. So I've always intended to live my life to the max so that by the time I was 65, I would, you know, have done it all. And so here I am at 64 years of age and I'm looking back, okay, I'm a multimillionaire. I've won multiple contests at bodybuilding, powerlifting, and Olympic lifting. Uh, I own like 11 companies at one time, up to 17 companies, and I'm back buying more. I got two more I'm buying right now. And... You know, it's just it's all the successes in the world. I'm married to a, a you know beautiful, very smart, intelligent woman. Um, so I got the you know the trophy wife, and you know you got all the things in life. I got the big house. I got you know everything. Something here, 64 years of age. I've done it. It's fine, right? Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Austin's Talk 1370. 
Welcome back. Now, here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Del Wamsley. Welcome back to the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today, we're talking about a book that I'm reading called You Can Be Younger by Next Year or Younger by Next Year, something like that. And um, later on, I'll bring in the book and tell you who the author is and everything. But the bottom line is, is that the book was given to me on my 64th birthday. And because I've told all my friends and relatives forever that I'm only going to live to 65. So here was a book about, okay, you can be younger by next year. And basically it's my friends trying to tell me, hey, you can survive it and get through it, right? So um, as I, um, Dad, I'm sorry, I'm out of breath here. I just ran to go get something I needed. Um, as I... Um, so I read this book. It was pretty interesting to me that the way this guy outlined the situation, he said, you know, you think that you're going to get old, that aging is a physiological thing. And what he's saying is aging is really has two processes. One of them is aging and the other one is decay. And the aging part is like, hey, your hair is going to get gray and you can't do anything about that. But the decay part where you get sick and decrepit and everything else has nothing to do with aging. In fact, you should probably live just as healthy, he says, you can live better than a 50-year-old all the way until you're 80 if you're physically fit. And without getting into the rest of the book here at this very moment, I just want to you know, show there's the premise, right? And then he comes up with a couple rules. Rule number one is you've got to work out six days a week that your body was intended to be doing exercise, that we're basically animals, we're creatures that survived by hunting, gathering, and that every day we got up all day long and we moved and we traveled and we ran and we walked. And then if you did that, you'd be healthy as can be right up until the time the lion ate you, right? And that you wouldn't die of old age. Old age is not something people died of back in the old days. People died of getting eaten or starving. Something natural, not something that a disease that can occur from the food we eat and the lack of exercise we have. And he's in very good, goes into real good detail about it. I'm not going to go into that detail because what I want to try to do is take this theory. And as I was thinking about what he was telling me to do, it was coming to my mind first that you couldn't do this if you were, didn't have any money. And number two, even if you did have money, the parallel of doing this is the parallel of having money and how you get money and how you become successful in life. So as I became successful in life financially, I so shall become successful in life physically. Now, for those of you who understand, I've already been physically successful at many different levels. But I'm now 64 years old. So let's talk about this. What is step number one? Step number one is realization. What did I need to realize? At 64 years of age, I can't be a bodybuilder anymore. How do I know that? Because last year I went from 214 pounds to 255 pounds. Got as large as any guy in the gym, as strong as any guy in the gym, big as a mountain, and my blood sugar popped 
up to 200 to 300, where it was averaging about 90 to 100. It popped up to 200 to 300 with the extra body weight. My blood pressure went up. You know, I felt terrible. Aches and pains, all kinds of aches and pains because of carrying the extra heavy weight, body weight around. And I would have kept going maybe, except along came COVID. And COVID said, okay, if you catch COVID and you have diabetes, then you have a higher risk of death. If you have high blood pressure, you have a higher risk of death. Uh, I had all that stuff. And I had it all because I was weighing 255 pounds. So then, so the first thing you have to do is you have to realize you have a problem. So my first step was to say, okay, I got to lose this weight. This is not going to work. I can't be 250 pounds anymore. I can't be a professional bodybuilder at 65 years of age. Just not going to work. So I proceeded to lose the weight. But that was before I read the book, right? So one thing you're going to need to realize is, and we could talk about your fitness, but I'm really not here to be your fitness mentor. As you realize, as you get older, that your fitness doesn't come easy anymore, you also have to realize that you financially have had it easy your whole life. Why is it easy? Because all you had to do was get up and go to work. And go to work and you you know got good at work and you got good at doing the things you do and you made money. But as you get older, there's going to come a point in your life where you can't work that hard or that long. Just like I can't be a bodybuilder anymore. You can't be the perfect employees at 65 years of age. You don't have the energy. You don't have the willpower. You don't have the time. You don't have what it takes. And so you need to realize that you've got to change your life somehow, especially if you want to retire. And so first comes the realization. What do you need to realize? Well, I needed to realize that I was overweight. And how overweight was it? That's the, just the scariest thing. I started thinking about it when I started reading this book. Yeah, I've come down from 255 to 235. What I forgot was at my wedding, I was 214. What I forgot was when I was junior Mr. Texas. In other words, about in my 20s and one Mr. Texas, junior Mr. Texas. In other words, before I won the open division, I only weighed 205 pounds. Even when I won Mr. Texas, I only weighed 225 pounds. And here I am at 235. And I'm thinking, I just dropped 20 pounds. I'm feeling pretty good about myself. But no. When I was in high school, I only weighed 185. When I won the Junior Olympics, I weighed 185. So my ideal body weight is somewhere between, at six foot tall, 185 and 200 because I've got a lot of muscle mass. I probably shouldn't go all the way down to 185. I went down to 185 when I had cancer and I was kind of skinny, but I couldn't really work out. But think of what that means to your heart. Go pick up 50 pounds and carry it around with you everywhere you go. And see how hard that is on you. Now, go out there and be broke and try to retire. Try to be old and have no money, to have no forms of income. And what you'll do is you'll realize very quickly you don't have enough money to retire. What you'll realize very quickly is you have no passive streams of income. And it will be a blatant realization. It's not a little realization. You can have a little realization. You know, I don't think I have quite enough to retire. People, you don't have anywhere near enough to retire. Because if you're living on $100,000 a year right now, you retire... How long does that 
hundred thousand in the bank last, or that two hundred thousand, or that even half a million last, right? You have to realize you are way farther away from where you need to be than what you think you are. And I had that realization. I started thinking, wow. You know, here I am, 235. I need to go down to probably 200, lose another 35 pounds. And I started thinking, I just lost 20. I went, man, do you know how much better I'd feel? 35 pounds less than that. Just losing the 20, I feel a thousand percent better. Losing another 35 would be light. It'd be like a feather. I'd probably jump over my house. We'll come back and talk about your financial jump after the break. Talk 1370, the right choice. Welcome back. Now here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America one person at a time, Del Wamsley. Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today I'm trying to make sense out of a book I'm reading about physical fitness and about health and about longevity and tying it into the fact that here's my problem now, my challenge in life is to survive and to stay alive now that I've already become financially successful. Who wants to die after you've already got there, got all the perks of life? And then I looked at it from another point of view of like, okay, well, how does this parallel what I'm trying to teach other people out here about becoming financially free? And I saw a lot of a lot of parallels, and I'm trying to get to them, although I don't think that I'm getting to them quite quickly enough, so I'm going to move along. Uh, so the three steps that I talked about here is the number one was realization that you've got a problem. If you don't realize you got a problem, that you're aging and that things are going to get different, the way you're going to earn your money. And in, in fact, one of the things he says in the book that I think is a good point, he says, you're living the last third of your life. The first third of your life was to get educated, to grow up, to get educated. The second third of your life was to work. And so you perfected work. But the third part of your life is going to be completely different. Just like it's completely different than the first part to the second part, it's going to be different from the second part to the third part. And you have to have that, number one, realization. Number two, you have to evaluate where you're at. How are you going to survive? Just like you can survive in the second part of your life, living like you did when you were a kid, uh, you had to change and you had to take on what he calls a job of it. Uh, he says you're going to have to take on a job of it in your third part of your life to stay alive. It becomes a daily go-to-work situation. And I started thinking about it, really, if you're going to build up a passive stream of income and you're going to build up another way to earn money, it becomes also a daily job of thinking about it and a constant, constant attack on earning more, more solid, more secure, long-term passive streams of income. And... When you look at it that way, you say, well, how do I do that, Dell?" And I started thinking about it. it's the same argument people have about becoming physically fit. And this guy says, number one, you're going to have to realize this, fact. And it's like when I read a book about diabetes, fact. You can't eat carbohydrates anymore. Get over yourself. You can't do it. And we're talking about starches. We're talking about sugars. You can't eat them. If you do, I don't care what medication you take. You're going to kill yourself, right? Um, so we, we look at it and say, new realization, you have to work out six to seven days a week. You got to do it. Your body needs that, and it goes into all these 
these ideas and reasons why and biochemical reasons why and, you know, the whole bit. I'm not going into that. My point is you're going to have to start thinking just like you get up every day and think about your job. Your job is now to think about your financial future. And if you don't do that, you're not going to fix it. You're not looking into what your passive streams of income options are. I look into it every single day. Believe it or not, today, I signed a contract to buy another piece of real estate, and I put an offer, letter of intent, on another piece of real estate in two different states. I own real estate now in about eight or ten different states. I'd have to count them because I'm buying them so fast. And why am I buying them so fast? Because interest rates are going down so fast that what was earning me $40,000 a month last year, just an interest in money sitting around doing nothing, now earning me ten. That's three-quarter change. Well, guess what happens when you lose your job and you start to live off your passive streams of income? For you, that might be a three-quarter drop in income. What did I do? Did I sit on it? Right and go, oh, I'm just getting old. I'm getting fat. I really can't afford to take the risk of getting into new investments at my age. I probably should just sit back and be safe. Heck no. And see, I get it. You've got to be proactive. My new job is to keep my money invested adequately, aggressively. Yes. So I'm buying. This is a very scary part of the world, and, and, the, and everything could change, and the government's changed. I don't care. Businesses have to exist. People have to eat. They have to sleep. They have to drive cars. There are things out there that are just not going away. And these businesses will survive. Will a donut shop survive in COVID times? No, it won't. Right? Will partying spots like bars survive? No, they won't. Will a mom-and-pop restaurant that has no wherewithal whatsoever other than the fact they can make good pancakes survive? No, it won't. Will a car auto repair shop survive? Heck yes. Will a grocery store survive? Yes. Will apartments survive? Yes. The bottom line is the business goes on even through the toughest times. But that's not important. What's important is where's your money at? Is your money sitting in interest-bearing accounts that are earning less than a half of a percent right now? That's where mine was headed. And now I'm moving it out. And so I'm aggressively searching out, seeking out new investments. Last year, when interest rates were higher than they'd been, they'd gone up two or three interest points, boom, boom, boom. I was just sitting on my money going, you know, it doesn't really matter if I make 40 grand a month and don't do anything. Now, I knew that if that money was invested, that 40 grand a month would have been 140 grand a month, right? But I didn't really care. Well, with the new investments that I'm putting together, it'll be 200 grand a month from the money was just sitting in savings accounts doing nothing. So you see, you have to get proactive. You have to first realize you got a problem, second evaluate the problem, but the third part, the third step here, my friends, is you have to set some realistic goals. And so this book is sitting here telling me, Dell, you need to set a goal. How are you going to live physically for the next 10 years of your life? Are you going to be overweight, out of shape, feel terrible, can't move, 
uh, get out of bed lethargic, lose your sex drive, be a fat slob, be miserable, get sick? Or are you going to be lean, mean, fighting machine? You know, you've seen those old guys ripped to shreds. I got a friend like that, one of our members here. He's like 70 years old. He's like lean as can be. Ten times the energy I have because he's lean as can be. He's out waterboarding and surfing with his kids all the time. He's got teenage kids and he's out there 70 years old with teenage kids doing sports with them. Right? And I'm like, oh, I can't get out of the car. My ankles hurt. My back hurts. My this hurts. My that hurts. Blah, 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 blah. And then I just realized after reading this book, it's because I weigh 35 pounds more than I should. Because I was 55 pounds more than I should. That's why. Because I'm trying to be an elephant instead of a gazelle. What are you trying to do? You're trying to workaholic yourself to death. You work, but yet you eat your money. Just like eating and getting fat, you've got a fat house, a fat car, fat credit card bills. You spend your money, or you take the money and stick it in an account, savings account that earns nothing, or a 401k that pays you nothing. You're doing all the wrong things financially. You've got to first realize that, but then you have to have a realistic plan. And the plan has got to be get that money out of those accounts that's doing nothing and get it invested in something that's paying you money. Rule one, don't lose money. Rule one, we're not going to make bad decisions. Just like this book says, when you get on that bike for that first time, and you run and get out on the street and run for the first time, and you try to do anything, don't kill yourself. Start slow, build, learn, grow, improve. Same thing with your finances. Start slow, learn, build, grow, improve. Rule two, it's got to have cash flow. You have to have all of your money in something paying cash flow. And rule three, you can't get rich slow. So by the time you get built up and your endurance is there, then you start working out with weights. Then you start lifting and getting stronger and bigger and better. That's when you start building into the more aggressive investments that allow you to make 100, 200, 300% returns you hear about on the radio all the time. Hear us talking about them. You're not ready for that day one. Day one, you have to do this. Stop spending all your money on garbage. Day one, lower your cost of living. Day two, stop putting money into your 401k and start saving it into an account you can invest from. Right? There are some baby steps you need to be doing right now goal is to get all the way to where you can live on passive income and not have to have a job. That's your goal. Then you can live that way the rest of your life. Once you hit that goal, you can live like a king the rest of your life. But at first, you've got to start somewhere. We'll take a short break. Be right back. Talk 13-7, the right choice. Welcome back. Now, here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Del Wamsley. So, today, we're talking about a book that I'm reading called You Can Be Younger, Younger Next Year, I believe it's called, Younger Next Year. And the basic concept is, is that most of us are in really bad condition, uh, even the ones that are not in really bad condition could be in better condition that if we really made it a point we could develop a physical fitness that would allow us to live into our 80s as 
athletically and healthfully as someone in their 50s. And um, I'm not really here to present that fact, although I'm reading it and following it and we'll get back with you with results from it. Um, but I am going to try to go from 255 down to 235, which I am now, which I'm going to try to go down to two, uh, 225, 205, see where I can go. You know, maybe 250, I don't know. It's hard to tell how far down I can go because I just came from 255, so I had a lot of muscle mass on my body at the time. But you can lose muscle mass. And by the way, muscle mass isn't all that. It's important to have muscle mass, but it's not important to have massive amounts of muscle mass because the heart and lungs can't put up with it at a certain age, man. It's too much work. So what I'm saying to you is, okay, you woke up. You've got a job. you got a good job. You're making good money. And now I'm saying to you, stop doing those things. In other words, stop being big and strong and start working on divesting yourself from all that muscle of a job because a job is muscle. You can pump out the money. You can work hard and make it happen and realize that at some point that working hard isn't working smart and that you need to get lean and mean and get your cost of living down and get your money out of big houses and big cars and 401ks and get it into real estate or other businesses that pay you cash flow. Number one rule, never lose money. So we're very careful about where we go. Lots of research before I buy something, lots of you know, studying and understanding and talking to people and getting to know what I'm buying. Then once I'm comfortable, I'm buying it, making sure it's got the kind of cash flow. I've turned down tons of deals that don't have enough cash flow for me. Got to pick out what that is, what your level of existence is, acceptable existence is. And then you take that action and you do it in small, tiny steps, right? So like you're sitting there with uh a uh, million dollars. Maybe only your first deal and you only spend $100,000 on it, maybe. Right? Actually, I uh, I started out, I bought five apartment complexes uh, that I bought in as passives when I first started deciding that I was going to change my approach from buying big, giant apartments and owning them myself and managing them. I started, I bought five passive deals to get something under my belt so it's making me some cash flow that I don't have to struggle with. But it was very safe. I mean, it was such small amounts of money, it didn't do anything to me. Uh, maybe you do a few of those to see how it feels. Then after that, I got comfortable with passive income like that, not me in control of the business. Then I said, okay, let me see what else out there. And I started buying some other businesses and so forth. Um, the bottom line is whatever it is you figure out works for you, right? You get out there and get it done. You've got to start small and you've got to build and you build and you build momentum. The last um, offer I just made on a piece of real estate is three times the size of the one I did last month and the month after that. So I've done one, two, three deals in two months. The first one was one size, the second one, same size. Third one was three times the size of the first or the second one. So I went, let's go from one million, two million, five million, just I'm rounding numbers here type of a deal of how much you invested. For me, it was really much more than that. Let's, uh, let's say what it might really be is two million down, two million down, and you know, three million down or something like that. I'm not sure how, what it is, but the bottom line is it's growing exponentially, right? It's getting larger and larger and larger. And as I can become more and more comfortable, just as I did when I bought houses and then I bought duplexes and then I bought fourplexes and then I bought small apartments, 10, 20, 40, 50, 60, 80, 100, 140, 
240, 270, 320 is the largest apartment complex I ever bought. So I bought different sizes. But the bottom line is you get in there and you start buying and you keep building your portfolio. And pretty soon one day you've hit your goal. And man, then you just love it. Now, do you stop investing at that point? No, you don't. That's now your new job for the rest of your life. Now, it doesn't take eight hours a day, get up and go to work to be a passive investor. It takes two or three hours a day of managing your portfolio. And that's done behind a desk with a cup of coffee in front of you. You get up in the morning, you ride your bike for an hour, then you sit down while you're eating your breakfast and drinking your cup of coffee and you do your, you do your work. An hour or two later, you're done. You're out. The rest of the day is yours, right? And that may not even be every day. That may be every other day or every third day. It just so happens I'm going after three different businesses right now at the same time. So I've got people sending me documents. I got to read this and paperwork and file that and send that and do this and whatever, blah, blah, blah. Go to the bank, change the movie, you know, move some money, whatever. But the bottom line is, is that just, that's nowhere near getting up and going to work for eight or 10 hours a day, five days a week, six days a week, like I used to. So it's nothing, but it does have to get done. I have to fight. My war now is to keep my email box empty. In other words, with all the different things that I have my hands in, as I get demand on me to make a decision about something, I have to respond. I can't let it sit. I have to do it. My demand on me now is to ride the bike for an hour a day. My demand on me now is to hit the gym at least three days a week and lift weights. That's my demand. That's my job. My job is to live and make money. The demand on me is to spend a certain amount of hours with my wife. That's a demand on me or I won't have a relationship. But the demand is not to get up and go to work every day. The demand is not to lift heavy, heavy weights and look like a Greek god. Those are not the demands anymore, right? They change, and that's the whole point I'm trying to make. This book enlightened me that I had to change my goal and, like they say, my job of life. I'm saying to you, what I want you to see is you are coming of the age where you better think about, realize, evaluate, understand, and set goals for the third part of your life, the last third of your life. And if you do that, I think you'll be a lot happier. And if you do the other part, you'll be a lot healthier. Hope you enjoyed it, have a good day. And remember, we're not doing this for some money. We're doing it for the lifestyle. To the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, teaching you the opposite of everything you've been taught so you can obtain the results you've never obtained. Join us seven days a week. Can't get enough? Visit DellOnTheRadio.com to listen to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, access past show podcasts, and join the conversation.